Hello, hello everybody and welcome to an episode of Coach's Corner. So how would you like to live a kick-ass life? Or if your life already feels like that, how would you like it to feel even more kick-ass? Well, what you'll discover in my conversation with Andrea Owen, who I'll tell you about in just a moment, is that living a kick-ass life isn't so much about going out and doing more. It's really about being authentic, feeling where you are, and moving into such a place of self-acceptance, not only of yourself, but of what's happening in your life. And this conversation is the follow-up to the coaching episode I did with Lisa, episode 42, dealing with transitions and figuring out next steps. So if you haven't listened to that, you may want to check that out beforehand or listen to it afterwards, because the session was really about honoring where we are in life and having the courage and willingness to, to feel it instead of trying to numb it or get around it or go out and do something new. I think you'll really enjoy my conversation with Andrea. We cover a lot of ground. So before we dive in, let me tell you a little bit about who Andrea Owen is. She's a life coach, an author, a wife, a mom of a five-year-old and seven-year-old, a roller derby rebel, hellraiser, triathlete. Andrea Owen is passionate about empowering women to value themselves and fiercely love who they are by letting go of perfectionism, control, and isolation, and choosing to practice courage instead. She's helped thousands manage their inner critic to create loving connections and live their most kick-ass life. She's the proud author of 52 Ways to Live a Kick-Ass Life, BS Free Wisdom to Ignite Your Inner Badass and Live the Life You Deserve. And now on to my conversation with Andrea. Well, hello, Andrea. I'm so happy to have you on Coach's Corner. Thanks for being here. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Christine. And I'm looking forward to our conversation. I know that a lot of people listening, um, women especially, but men too, are going to relate to some of the things we're going to be talking about. And I was just thinking as we were talking before we started recording, I, I spoke last week in Miami at a women's empowerment conference and my topic was the myth of having it all. And mm-hmm. what I really talk about is moving from having it all to being our all. And it consistently amazes me that I, I, you know, speak to groups of women a lot. And when I ask how many of you feel the pressure to have it all, every hand goes up in the room. And then the follow-up question, how many of you are on this treadmill but are absolutely exhausted <laughs> because of it, either physically, mentally, emotionally, or all of the above, and, and hands continue to go up. And I find that we just – we know, we know that we're kind of doing too much, but we kind of don't know how to shift it because sort mm-hmm. of there's this expectation and this pressure to not only have it all, do it all, but look good doing it, feel good doing it, be happy all the time. And it robs us of being real. And what I love about your work, first, your transparency, your vulnerability is so inspiring. And you really are a voice for people to take off the mask, to accept where they are, and to have the kind of conversations that create authenticity and connection through vulnerability rather than trying to be quote-unquote perfect. So I love that you're here. I love that we're going to have this conversation about it. And just so, you know, I read your bio, but could you tell us a little bit of the behind the scenes? How did you move from having the mask and being quote-unquote fine to really Mm -hmm. honoring the truth of where you are in your life? Well, that's such a good question. And and when you were describing that, like all these thoughts are running through my head of 
Uh, and I'm glad you asked it because I think that for many women, myself included, when you hear messages like ours and thought leaders like us talk about like, oh, let's, you know, let's take the mask off. Let's be authentic. Let's be real. I think people like the idea of that and can like fist pump and like, yeah, yeah. But then when it comes really right down to doing it in your, like at work and with your partners and with your friendships, it's like, I don't know, Christine. I don't know, Andrea. Like, I want you to go first. Yeah. So I think that what it comes down to is we don't know what it looks like. And also, and I'm, I'm speaking from like myself too, of like what I thought it looked like is I know that a lot of your listeners, mine included, tend to be dichotomous thinkers. They tend to be like black and white thinkers. Like, okay, well, either I put on this mask and try to perform and perfect and please my way through my life. Or I'm a complete slacker loser who just throws in the towel and lets myself go. And it, A, it doesn't have to be like that. So we can talk about that. But also I think that um, it's, it's, it's really vulnerable. It's really vulnerable to do that. And again, we just don't know what it looks like. And I think one more thing I want to say about that is that I think for many of us, one of one huge tool and lesson that I've learned in the shame work that I do with women is that we all have these identities that we are terrified of being seen as. And one of them, I think for, for women, it's the stereotypical, hysterical, needy, desperate woman that none of us were, you know, it's like, no, 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 no. We don't want to go there. We don't want to be, be that girl, quote unquote. And I think that a lot of us make up that for us to really take that mask off is what that is, is I don't want anyone to see me as that girl. So I think it's a lot of this work too, is kind of like breaking down the myths of what, um, what it is and what it isn't. And when I say it, I mean, being real and being authentic and we don't have to dive all in, you know, (laughs) you don't have to get naked on the first date. Like you can just kind of like ease in a little bit. So we could go in any direction. I know I threw a lot at you right there. Oh, no, I love it. And what I'm just thinking about, too, is one thing I've talked about on the show is, you know, being vulnerable doesn't mean you just all of a sudden start talking about your deepest wounds and air your dirty laundry. And and it's really, it's about also sharing what's amazing in your life. Because that's the other thing Mm -hmm. I think people, especially Mm -hmm. women, don't do. They don't want to brag. There's so much managing how we share. And it really interrupts, it interrupts just, just being real. And what I love about this conversation and about your work is we're giving people and our, on ourselves as we encourage it permission to just be ourselves and, and mm-hmm. with that to really honor where we are because, you know, in this week's episode where I was coaching Lisa, she was the, you know, kind of typical avatar of the overachiever woman who was mm-hmm. looking for the next mm-hmm. thing. And I constantly hear people, and I'm sure you do too, trying to figure it out. But I don't know about you. I I when I am in a place where there's a lot of uncertainty and I try to figure things out with my mind, I, <laughs> I may come up with an answer, but it's usually not going to lead me in a way that promotes the most healing. So, what's when you're coaching women and working with women and teaching them when they're in this place of a transition, when they're in a season where there's a lot of uncertainty or perhaps there's some kind of loss, what's your encouragement to them? 
Well, I, I love that episode. And I love that you said your soul probably isn't saying, I'm going to figure this out. And speaking from experience, Christine, you know, and I saw a lot of myself in, in Lisa's story. And the, the metaphor I like to use for situations like that, it, I feel like a cat that got thrown into a bathtub full of water. Like, get me out of here so fast <laughs> to actually be in this transition, to be with all of these feelings is is a, is a no. And I think that, um, it's common for women to overachieve and it's like, okay, what's next on my to-do list. And I think it's a numbing mechanism. I think that it's, it's, it can be just as, as, um, distracting and unhealthy as booze or food or, you know, bad love or or whatever. It's just this endless to-do list. So I, I mean, really, really echoing what you said in that episode about just um, being with all of it and from kind of a like a like what to actually do in those moments. I sometimes ask people, I call it like controlled emoting, where, you know, for Lisa, if she were to, um, you know, speaking specifically on the, around the death of her father, uh, what are, I, think, I think a lot of us don't know what grief actually looks like. And I know I didn't. I, I grew up in a family where um, feeling your feelings was not a topic of conversation. <laughs> we just we had one feeling, and that was happiness. And if you had any others, you, we didn't talk about it. And you needed to go do that in your room by yourself. And if we just don't talk about it, maybe it will go away. Feelings certainly didn't solve any problems in my house. So it's not to say there wasn't a lot of love, but I think it's common that we aren't ever taught that. So I like to give the suggestion to people and do it myself too, is to actually, is there any music that puts you into, um, that kind of prompts you into feeling whatever it is that you need to feel? Is there any pictures that you can look at? Is there any, um, you know, home movies or, or letters or, or anything like that where you can actually prompt your grief? And I think that what is really scary for women, and here here's what the, the edge I come up that women are like, ugh, is that they're afraid, and sometimes it's on a subconscious level, sometimes they name it, they're afraid if they go in, like if I open up Pandora's box, I am so nervous that I won't be able to close it back up. Like I don't know what's in there, and it's out of my control. I had a client that said that. It's, it feels out of control, and I absolutely hate that. And so I think you touched on that in the in the episode too about control and um Oh God, control and I have a tumultuous relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Control is my, my biggest one that I have to, that it is a one day at a time gig and, and feeling your feelings, I think is a great exercise in that. And, and for me, I, I journal, I try to do pen to paper, but most of the time it is on my computer and I will put on some, I put on some Adele and I take it out on my laptop and sometimes I write in all caps and I write a lot of letters I'll never send. I write a lot of stories that will never be published, you know, my own true life stories. And it's just about, it's about going in. It's about going in and not knowing what's there on the other side. But it's also about having the self-compassion and the self-trust that I will be okay on the other end. And that was the key for me. It's just um, kind of gathering up evidence too. It's like, okay, I'm going to do this journaling exercise and you know, just kind of like throwing caution to the wind, which is scary. And then at the end of it, I, you know, splash some cold water on my face. I sometimes have to take a nap or a shower or call a friend. And you know what? I'm okay. 
I'm better than okay. I'm, be- I'm better on the other end, having let those feelings out into the world. I hear you. And everybody that knows me and my work knows that I am so passionate about clearing the emotional level and feeling our feelings and doing it without the judgment and the internal commentary. Because that's the other thing we try to figure out. We try to figure out our feelings. You know, mm-hmm. we're having I'm the feelings. Think my way through this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to think my way through grief or whatever. And, and instead of just letting ourselves have a, a meltdown and, and letting the only commentary or internal dialogue being it's okay, it's okay, let it out. Um, And and I, you know, for me, and I know, I think I've talked to you about this before, when you've interviewed me on your awesome podcast, is what got me over depression, what helped me heal that was going to that deep, dark, scary place because it was my fear of not wanting to honor that and and go there and and my fear of feeling like I could never get out of it that prevented me from from doing it and once I did and believe me I had coaches I had tools I was I was very intentional around it but I had to go to that really really yucky place but it was going through that yucky place that got me to the other side and I think that's what we have to remember is that life isn't all rainbows and unicorns how we grow is through contrast and we have to be willing to go through those those dark places to get to the other side and I know you've been there I know you've had them um, and now your work is so inspired by them and you have a, a great book 52 ways to live a kick-ass life um, could you give us, we don't have to give us all 52, but how about, yeah. how about could you give us three? Could you give us three ways that we can? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to say something real quick too, oh, sure. to tag on to what you just said. And I think you and I talked about this the first time you were on my podcast, cause you wrote about it in expectation hangover about the whole concept of being strong. And I, it's interesting because I saw on Facebook, somebody, um, it was like an acquaintance, not really a friend. Um, someone that she cared about and loved died suddenly. And I was reading the comments and there were so many people that said, stay strong, honey, you can get through this, you know, like that whole, like the stay strong. And it was like, it was like a head explosion on my end. And I didn't know her well enough, but if she would have been a good friend, I would have been like, I would have commented, it's really okay to fall apart. And if you need me, if you need someone to witness your falling apart, I will be here from a place of, I just, I feel like we wear stay strong and be strong as a badge of honor. And we're validated for that as women, you know, just soldier on, you know, suck it up buttercup. And I I just want to spread the message that it's okay to fall apart. And I think that we are so afraid of that. And we don't, sadly, I think many of us don't have people in our life that we can fall apart in front of and have that person just hold the space for us. And I know that you do that a lot in your work and it's, it's, it's an, to be that person I believe is an honor. And I think that many of us are really uncomfortable witnessing it in someone else because we want to fix it. We don't want to see that person in pain. So I, the bottom line of it is for people to walk away with is a try to be that person for someone and that is developing a relationship where if you need it you can be in that space and fall apart if you need to for someone else yeah it's so it's so important and I you know I'm that for people professionally and also personally and I have those people in my life the people that can just hold space for me and 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 just some advice for people to be that person you know when someone's having an emotion 
watch your own discomfort with it because our own discomfort with it is the thing that motivates the, oh, it's okay. You're going to be okay. Time heals all wounds. Be strong. Uh, uh, and it's just like, no, 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 no. I know. It's like, bleh. I just kind of threw up a little bit. It's it's like, no, 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 no. Just be there and just be like, it's okay. I hear you. I'm here. Yeah. Like you just being there and loving them and not judging them. And most of all, not feeling sorry for them because sympathy is judgment. Just being that that kind of space of unconditional love and compassion is more valuable than any trite thing you could ever say to anyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. And that's, you know, and, and I, I have been that person who is like, oh, it's okay. It'll be fine. And, you know, put a silver lining on it. And I fully admit that it was because of my own discomfort. <laughs> I can't, for a long time, I could not be with my own feelings. So therefore I certainly could not be with yours. Right. And I, I think that it definitely goes hand in hand. The more we get comfortable just honoring our own feelings and not making them mean anything, except exactly. that they're just feelings then we are more likely to be okay with other. And as a mother, I think this was really important to me. I know that your client Lisa had a young child is, is making sure that I create a home where they feel okay, not only talking about their emotions, but expressing them in front of me and seeing me express them in a, in a healthy way. Um, where like, I had a woman on who's like an expert in, in, um, death, dying and grief. And she was like, you don't need to have like a fetal position moment, like crying hysterically, like an animal in front of your children, (laughs) Mm -hmm. save that like for your best friend or your husband. But it is important to, you know, to shed tears in front of your children and have a conversation with them about it. Right. Exactly. So that they, so they don't think they have to be strong boys and girls who just suck it up and then end up drinking or watching TV or getting in caretaking people pleasing relationships because they rather invest in someone else and their own feelings. So there's there's so many <laughs> ways oh, yeah. that we avoid Good feeling. Yeah. 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 Um okay, so back to I love I love our tangent. That was a good one. Um <laughs> <laughs> so back to the ways that the tool. So what we're really saying to people is is honor where you are, honor honor the seasons. Um, mm-hmm. honor, you know, what you're feeling. And and then, you know, so, so much of, of living a kick-ass life is not about going out and doing new things. It's really about honoring where you are. And then once, once you do that, you know, in, in moving forward in life and creating a life from the inside out, what are some of the, the tips that you give people? And what, well, first of all, let me back up being a bad interviewer here. Let me back up. <laughs> what, how do you define a kick-ass life? Let's start there. Oh gosh. You know, I think that it's really about finding the tools that work for you to shift out of unhealthy behaviors and create new tools. And it really is what I emphasize over and over ad nauseum with my audience is that this is a practice that you don't just like read a book on Pilates and get in shape and you're done, or you don't just do Pilates once (laughs) Mm -hmm. and then you're in shape for the rest of your life. This is about reading about it, implementing it in your life and continuing to get it right, to get it not right, to have it be messy, to screw up and to keep practicing it over and over again. I mean, this is, this is a lifelong practice. And then once you kind of figure, I just don't ever think that we're ever done either. So I think that's what it's about. It really is just looking at the unhealthy behaviors that we do, such as 
being strong, such as control, Mm -hmm. perfectionism, people pleasing, numbing out, hiding and isolating, self-sabotage, procrastination, like all of these things and figuring out, I think it's, I think it's important for many people to look at why they're doing it. Cause I I think it's nice to be able to connect the dots. It's not, it's not imperative, but I think it's, it's just really interesting, I think, to people too, to figure out why we are the way we are and then choose different behaviors. And that is not easy. I'm not going to sit here and pretend it is, but that's really to me what living a kick-ass life is. I love it. I love it. And where can people go to learn more about you, to connect with you, to find you? Well, the easiest way is yourkickasslife.com, and um, I'm on most of the social media platforms. <laughs> Not all the, the Snapchat and all that. I can't. But I can't, I Instagram can't, I and can't. Facebook, <laughs> Instagram and Facebook mostly, and of course my website. I love it. I love it. So last last question here, kind of going back to the question I've asked a couple times about you know the the tools, the people that are kind of like okay, you know I've. I've honored my emotions. I I feel like I have my my soul friends, my tribe. I've been through some hard stuff, and now I'm I'm really ready to move forward. Like the people that are you know feeling their mojo, the people that are feeling inspired. What what tips do you have for them to kind of go out and start creating it? Because you're someone who's done it. So what are, what would you say to the people that are a little bit behind you on the path? I think, um, God, it could be many things, but I, I think that, gosh, I mean, if they're in a place where they've, that sounds good to me. Like like what I, I would really be curious. I'm always really curious about the conversation people are having in their head. Mm. Like when you make a mistake, you know, cause it's fine if you know, you're just trucking along and things are great. But like when, you know, when you know what hits the fan and you're in a place of, you've been hooked, you know, like you either made a mistake at work or you, you found yourself falling down the rabbit hole of compare and despair. Cause we all do that. I mean, I do it. You probably do it. It happens to the best of us, but I would be really curious. Like what is, what is your thought process to pull yourself out of there? Cause you know, one of the things that has been um, kind of stretched me recently is, uh, the work that I do with, with shame and, and things like that. But, um, more specifically getting really, really curious about the conversation, not just recognizing the conversation, because I think that's important and that is work that I teach, but the next step really is to get curious about that. So, um, no, it's, it's knowing when you're triggered. I think knowing your triggers is really important and then getting curious, like what, what am I actually making up? Cause there might be a fact, like maybe you did make a huge mistake at work and dropped the ball on a project or something, but what are you making up about that? And what's really fascinating is I love brain science and I just found out that, um, I don't know if you probably know this, but our brains actually like the reward center in our brain is ignited when our brain makes up a conclusion to a story, even if it's wrong. So that's why we are so quick to make up stories about ourselves. Um, like, oh, my boss wants me in his office at noon. This obviously means that I'm fired. This obviously means that I am the worst. You know, like that whole thought process. So it, it, I, it's just fascinating to me. But that's what I'm really curious about is this, the quick story that you go to when you've either made a mistake or you think you've made a mistake or someone looks at you sideways or, or you're tired or sick or whatever. And then getting really curious about that because what's underneath a lot of times 
are more feelings to be felt. <laughs> Yay, we're feelings. Feelings. But um, really, it's the process that Brene talks about, Brene Brown talks about in the book Rising Strong, for those of you that haven't ever heard of it or, or haven't read it. But it's it's really changed my life and just getting getting kind of like digging, digging even a little bit deeper in what's underneath there. And typically, like, I'll spoil it for you. <laughs> typically, what's underneath there is, are things like fear and, um, you know, wanting to, all of us want love and connection and things like boundaries might be in there, hard conversations that need to take place. And so I think it's just like that extra stretch for someone who, who has maybe already gotten to a place of self-compassion and self-forgiveness and self-trust and those types of things. So to bottom line it, it's a, it's getting really curious about the stories that you're making up in your head. I love it. I love it. Oh, well, thank you so much for helping us get clear. Thank you for walking, walking the talk and inspiring so many people. And again, you can connect more with Andrea at yourkickasslife.com. I love that. I love that you're calling it a kick-ass life. So, so, <laughs> so, 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 so good. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Christine. Bye, everybody. Bye.